Welcome to No Heart Left Behind's Hope in the Heart of Family Life podcast. I'm your host and executive director of No Heart Left Behind, Alicia Stickles. If we're honest, family life can be hard. Family can be our greatest blessing, but also the source of our deepest wounds. At No Heart Left Behind, we have a passion to empower families to thrive with the Word of God and the love of Christ. So each week, we're going to have real conversations about hard issues facing families today. It is our hope that you would be equipped with practical tools based on biblical principles for when life happens and relationships get messy. In other words, how do we flesh out all those Bible verses we know when life isn't looking like we had hoped? If you're in a season of family life that feels hopeless or you have a heart to navigate the challenges of family well, but just don't know how, you're in the right spot. So whether you are driving in your car or checking off one of your honeydews, pop in those earbuds and come find hope in the heart of family life with us. Welcome to another episode of No Heart Left Behind's Hope in the Heart of Family Life. I'm your host and executive director of NHLB, Alicia Stickles. So every week we tell you that our heart is to empower families to thrive with the Word of God and the love of Christ, and we promise you to have real and needed conversations about hard issues facing families today. As a ministry, one issue that we see causing the most pain and destruction for families is infidelity. In today's conversation, I am talking with my friend Eddie Berrios about his story of infidelity in marriage and the redemptive path to healing, forgiveness, and restoration that God paved for he and his wife. As you can imagine, this is a mature topic, so I wanted to encourage you to use discretion when listening to today's episode. So if you are kid-free or have those earbuds handy, let's begin this needed conversation. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Hope in the Heart of Family Life. My name is Alicia. I am the host of this podcast, and today I am joined with a um, longtime friend, Eddie Berrios. Hi, Eddie. Thanks for coming on the show today. Uh, You're very welcome. I'm glad to be here, Alicia. So, gosh, I don't even know where to start with you. (laughs) We go back a very, very long time. Right. I think Before I was you were a, married. I think I was a teenager when I first met you. Right. It sure <laughs> or maybe was, early yeah. 20s. And so we're not going to talk about how long it's been since I've been in my 20s. Um, but yeah, but right now you are um a guy who is very active in the leadership and growing the uh men's ministry of No Heart Left Behind. And um you have an incredible story that we are going to jump into today. And uh but before we do that, um I just really want everybody to learn all things Eddie. So tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, maybe a little bit of your faith journey, that kind of thing. Sure. Um so I am a uh, a Colombian, 100% Colombian. My both of my parents migrated to the US. Uh, I grew up in the Laplace River Parish area, and and high school is when I met my my wife Mary. Uh, so we were child uh, high school sweethearts, um, and that is where uh, we both came to know Christ, kind of like in college, uh, in high school, late co- early college, 
And uh, our my journey of in my Christ faith has taken a lot of reboots. I've uh, mm. uh, I've had different uh, times where I felt close with God, and then I distanced myself through just a little bit of apathy, a little bit of kind of muscle memory, like, yeah, I got this and kind of went on my way. And then different things happened, the birth of our children. Um, and then, of course, about 20 something years ago is when I had this this just big crash in my life. And that's the story that we're going to talk about today. And then since then, uh, I've tried to get a good foothold and use that experience like like most people do when you go through something traumatic uh, is to give back and to just constantly be uh, aware of how many other people could be going through this, uh, men and women. Um, and so about five years ago or even a little bit longer, I was much more intentional to get involved in ministry opportunities to share my story to work diligently after men's hearts and to share with just authentically. Cause I think a lot of times in men's uh, discussions, we skirt around stuff. We'll do the Bible talk. We'll say the Christian lingo, but the heart is not really engaged as it should be. Yeah. I definitely feel like, you know, especially, um, you know, cause the longer I've known you, the more I've gotten to know you. And one mm -hmm. thing that just kind of, bleeds out of you is just your heart and your passion for men. And um, I mean, I would love for you to talk a little bit about where that comes from, but I do feel like that some of the passion that you have for ministering to men, like I said, um, you know, you lead some of our rise men's Bible studies and, and that kind of thing um, really is birthed out of your story of um, what we're going to be talking about today. And you know, I'm pretty sure everybody knows that, you know, the title of the episode that we're talking about today is called The Anatomy of an Affair. And I feel like this is a, this is something that affects so many marriages out there um, and causes the end of a lot of marriages. Um, and, you know, people like you and Mary, I think about my mom and dad, are just testaments of how God can redeem um, something like that. But I also feel like one of the ways he does redeem that is just having ignited the passion that you have for men through that story. I mean, would you say that that's pretty true? Yeah. You know, Alicia, the, the, the irony is that um, you don't set out to say, Hey, at around this age, I'm, I'm going to go have an affair. Um, it in and the way it teed me at an intersection um, was sort of false. Also, I thought like, oh gosh, I just fell into this. But when I stepped back, I started seeing things that I was not actually doing um, in, in my marriage because I was married uh, 15 years before my affair. We've had four children. Um, out of our four, well, Mary gave birth to five. One of our children died after a month. Uh, we had two miscarriages. So Mary and I were, you know, high school sweethearts. We This was not supposed to happen to me. I was not supposed to fall into this trap. I was a churchgoer. I was in church. I had, I knew scripture. I was, I was doing the right part. So what happens when, why did this, why did this happen? And of course there's will and we'll go into a little bit of that. And then it occurs. 
Um, and then I thought I was going to be taken out of the game. I, I th there, There's no recovery. I might save my marriage. I may not. Um, but as far as me able to come back in and give back to the church and, and get to a place to where I could look at some people like you back in the eye, I thought that th that would never occur again. And only by the yeah. grace of God and the humility that I tried to continue to aspire to. Um, and giving back is part of that. It's part of that recovery that I continually walk in. Yeah. And, you know, I, I love kind of what you said is that I don't, I don't believe that anyone really like wakes up one morning and is like, oh, today I'm going to start that affair. Yeah, especially as a Christian guy, right? As a Christian right. person, that shouldn't be something you aspire to. Yes. And so uh, that's why I love this idea that we're talking about today is the word anatomy, that there is a makeup or there are parts that surround the actual event or, you know, choice of the affair um, that maybe you don't even realize, but that there are things, there are parts before, there are parts after that all make up um, the surroundings of an affair. And so um, if we could, I would love to kind of jump into that stuff. And let me say this sure. before we even get started. I just want to say thank you for your willingness to come and share your story because it's not an easy story to share. Um, and it's, it's just very courageous of you. And I think, um, I guess the, it will be a blessing to listeners out there that are, are struggling with this by themselves, you know, and they think I'm the only one and all that kind of stuff. So just thank you very, very much. Well, well, uh, you're welcome. And, and again, the opportunity is just humbling. Um, and again, uh, when I work with any guys, any married couples, when Mary and I are working in that, uh, we 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 tremble because of just uh, we remember the restoration and we do it in such humility and in, in, in knowing that God has to be part of this whole thing. Yeah, I, I don't believe that a recovery like this cannot happen if there's there's not a spiritual component about it. There has yeah. to be a a, a a submission to something higher than you, bigger than you, bigger than your marriage. And that to me is God Almighty is Jehovah God. And yeah, absolutely. So um, so where I want to start, let's talk about, you know, leading up to like, how did we get here how, leading up to the affair? Were there certain like behaviors or thought patterns or maybe things that you didn't even realize were contributing to this going down this path that now that you look back on it, you're like, oh, yeah, I can see. I, I see yeah, it now. It, right. And, and, and that's exactly what it is. There's a sort of uh, some of it's been turned like, you know, maybe many uh micro affairs, if you will, that you're having way before the actual physical affair actually manifests itself. But the 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 components were is not just buying into one lie that this affair is going to help me, but it's for men to say that I'm buying into a series of a philosophy. I'm buying into a system and you don't realize, and it's the age old thing that, you know, you don't know you're being duped. That's the whole word. You're being duped. 
is the fact that, uh, you know, I was, uh, I'm, I'm a white collar IT guy. I work in the information technology uh, component. So, um, you know, there's a lot of things about uh, how you get promoted and, you know, you get a lot of accolades or whatever. So you start buying into, okay, I have to perform. And when I perform, somebody should reward me. Right. I, yeah. I perform. I get a raise. I perform. Somebody says, yay, good job. Gives you a clap. And then you go up the ladder. Well, in marriage, there isn't that sort of, hey, I perform. I need to get an accolade. So I brought that corporate mindset of to my wife mm -hmm. to bear that, hey, I'm performing here. I'm being a good dad. We have one child. Now we have two. I'm performing where's my accolade? Where's my award that I, that I desperately need? And, uh, it was unsustainable for Mary to try to, uh, give me these accolades that really were meant for God to tell me that where I was positionally. So each day, each month, as we, I progressed in my marriage, I didn't realize I was just growing in this hole. Like, you know, so it, I couldn't get Mary couldn't fill it enough. Like if she said, oh, no, well, I really appreciate you doing this. Hey, you're bathing the kids. You're, you're you know, you're being a good father. No, not enough, Mary. I need more. It's it's then has a component of addiction. Yeah. Right? So I'm addicted to I'm addicted to a not a performance, but a, a sort of an evaluation. I want that constant affirmation that then is addictive. And if I don't get it. There it goes. Where am I going to get that affirmation? Yeah. Now I'm buying in the lie. There's a system out there that would tell us, you know, like Hollywood would tell us, hey, you know, go out and do this and do this and you'll get these accolades. And yeah, so sorry, that was a little long. No, one at all. Um, so let me ask you this in terms of the beginnings of the relationship with you know the the lady um like was that something that you realized right away like oh this is this is trouble like did she just go it referring back to what you just said about you know looking for mary to give you something that no matter how much she gave it wasn't her job to to fill it was you know the lord um I don't know. Do you find that the the other woman filled that or like what was so yeah, attractive and, and, about? And that's the thing. So you um, so first I didn't I didn't know this till afterwards. So, mm -hmm. I, you know, for the men that might be listening to this, that that's the deception to realize as you're being deceived, as you are in this kind of fog, you don't realize that that's occurring. Right. So what ends up happening is you get these conflicts in your marriage that are artificial, right? The issue is not the issue, right? Mm -hmm. The fact that you didn't pick up something, the fact you didn't do something or you answered sar sarcastically is not the issue. The issue underlining is I want this big affirmation. I want to know whatever, and it's not being filled and it manifests itself with that. Well, the first transgression that I did was you share this story, this hurt, this emptiness with another the opposite sex. Yeah. You never, a man is never supposed to, if they are married and in a covenant relationship, you do not share soul type of things with the opposite sex 
of course, you know, you have sisters and right. <laughs> your mother and all of that, but I'm talking about another single person, another married woman. You're not. And I didn't realize the harm of that. Yeah. I was given somebody else the keys to my heart. I was given them how to operate and how to, to fill me. So what, what I did when I crossed and talked to this other lady is I was giving her all my hurts. Like, mm. oh man, I don't get affirmation like a lot. I don't have this. I wasn't able to tell that to Mary, but I was able to tell that and reboot it with this other person. Well, guess what that other person decided to do was just create herself just like I needed. Yeah. And then the engagement was like, look, I am the exact person that can complement your life. I am the exact person you need to fulfill that gaping hole you have and then manifest the desire. Then at that point, yeah. I said, I need to go get that because I need to get fulfilled. I am tired of having this void. And it, it is a it is a back and forth. It is um it's replaying Genesis page one and two of the Bible. It's replaying that whole I chose the wrong fruit. I chose the, you know, the wrong yeah. tree every yeah. day. And you were so deceived. I making, yeah. I was yeah. deceived. I was duped. But all along realizing, well, I'm just sharing. I'm just talking to a mm -hmm. person. It's that's not bad. There's kind of like we're hey, we're kind of doing a counseling session. I crossed the line and that seemed easy for me. There's yeah. no physical, there's nothing physical at the time. So, yeah. uh, but see, that's what I was calling a, a kind of a micro, an affair. The affair had already started in, in today's world and the way we redefine stuff. I would say, well, I'm not really having an affair. I'm just talking to her. No, yeah. truth be told, Holy Spirit <laughs> illuminated my life. Yeah. I had already started the affair. Yeah. Kind of like an emotional affair. Exactly. So yeah. yeah, all those labels that we start putting on it mm -hmm. in an emotional affair, conversational affair, and all of those things are an affair. And if, if if men don't realize the the in, which is the physical, uh is is just an not I don't want to say natural, but you're in a slippery slope. Yeah. And that's what happened because I couldn't get in just like any other addiction, you can't get enough of that. Yeah. Yeah. And you've just transferred it to someplace else. Wow. Um, so what, what did it feel like, you know, because you had said, you know, as a Christian man, you just never see yourself, you know, landing here, like landing in the middle of an affair. So once the actual affair began, like, walk me through, like, what did that feel like? What were the, yeah, what were the emotions and the thoughts going on in your head when that was going on? Right. What you don't realize is you start shutting down other systems. And I'm going to use the word systems to say things like, I don't want to talk to maybe my brother that would know a little bit about my life. I started shutting down systems, systems of relationships, systems of my church, listening to the Holy Spirit, because they were interfering in my addiction. They were interfering in not letting me have, I, quit, I can't, you know, if I listen to the Holy Spirit, then I can't have this feeder addiction of this other woman in my life. I'm going to hear something I don't want. I really, really want it. Mm -hmm. So just system shutdown. And it was... Alicia, almost like uh, switches that go off. 
And I, I cannot believe the power and, and, and some men out there might understand that when you turn off a switch, I mean, it's you shut it down, mm. you know, and I know women have that capacity too. to mm-hmm. you, you shut down, yeah. you, you shut down long suffering to a point. And once you guys shut down and it's hard for a man to start that back up. Right. Yeah. But I shut down the Holy Spirit talk. And as the as the Bible always says, is how Jesus is a gentleman is he knocks at the door. And if you want God out of your life, God will move. The Holy Spirit will leave. And I did system shut down. Holy Spirit off. Yeah. System family off mm-hmm. system. My, I wanted new friends that would only hear my story. Yeah. And then ultimately I turned off the Mary switch, my yeah. wife switch. Mm. Every fight, everything we were raising kids, but I was in a numb state. I had turned Mary off. Mary could not penetrate my heart anymore. I was like, I, I have opened myself up to this, like you said, an emotional affair, whatever. And I was almost intentional to say, if this thing goes physical, so be it. Yeah. And it it, it will just go down this path. And I had no resistance, no, nothing to grab because all systems were off. Yeah. It reminds me of like just that idea. uh, Well, it reminds me of two ideas that one, like one of Satan's greatest weapons is his patience, you know, just the way that he positions things and just puts it in front of you and just waits. Um, And then the other one um, is just the idea of isolation, right? Mm -hmm. Like when you say shutting down all of those systems and those lifelines and things that you were once connected to, um, this thing that you were battling internally caused you to shut all those things down and you were isolated at that point. Um, you know, right. I, I guess mm-hmm. my question is, is so did, did people like Mary and maybe your family or friends, like, did they know that, like, did they sense something was different or like, what did that look the, like? Like, that's the problem is when we, when other people sense and they don't maybe speak in love and just, you know, and, and because they have that, they had or have that position in your life. Everyone was like, well, well, nah, that can't be. Eddie's not really doing that. So no one really. And you see, that gave me the blame game. Right. So you see, I, you know, I manipulated that situation, Alicia. I felt like, well, no one's really telling me strong things. Maybe Mary might have been the only one, but I didn't have the proper systems that would penetrate and give them um, sort of the access into my life to say, hey, if you see me going off the rails, like, you know, and this is something I would tell every man that you, you need to open up, to, you know, if you're not in an affair state, hopefully, in a, you know, uh, you need to have someone say, when I'm off the rail, I need you to be straight with me. Men yeah. need don't need flowery speech. You need to say, "Hey, dude, you are off the rails. I don't know what's going on, and if and if and if I keep seeing this, then really, I'm going to encourage. We need to, and not just say, "Well, maybe he's just going through something. Ah, well, maybe it's work. Maybe." And then no one said anything, and I t- took that in a twisted, a very perverted, twisted way as saying, "Well, no one cares." Mm. It's again that lie. I mean, the thing that that happens is you could tease out all the little things that then I started I started believing 
you know, down was up, up was down, coal was hot, hot. I mean, everything was messed up. Yeah. I thought I yeah. rewrote my history. Well, Mary and I met too early. Mary and I shouldn't have been high school sweethearts. I'm Colombian. I'm Hispanic. Mary's a Cajun girl. We don't need to be. Why do we have four kids? Maybe we shouldn't have had four, you know, and, and hopefully all my kids that would listen to this. I love all my kids. and I'm so glad <laughs> God blessed me with them. But, you know, as, as a young man, I mean, I had had them in my 20s. You start just, you know, just uh, cursing and saying things about things that shouldn't have been, which are lies. You start saying, oh, this is not me. It, my true me is this new lie. This new, The true me now is saying everything is uh, is right because. I'm in this addicted world. And when I'm in my addiction, I feel the most complete, which is lie, right? Yes. It's being yes. duped. Yes. Right? It's being it, duped. Absolutely. So let's talk about, um, take us through, like, I don't know if I want to call it the fall or the rock bottom or how did this affair play out? Like, where did it, where did it take you? Well, it's, um, you know, Proverbs has a lot about, you know, the, the woman and uh that that sits there and you know her words are sweeter than honey and whatever and that you're gravitated well since i built up this other person to know every facet of me when we had crossed into the physical right so now i was having a physical affair and that changes everything mm -hmm. you had i had i had seriously broke the covenant of my relationship and now i felt this bondship this wrong by with this other person and now everything is coming unglued i am just things are coming off there's uh the the other person then felt uh, an ownership to me that i i needed to return something to her and then she was not going to let it go easily so i had put everything on you know, using a, a gambling metaphor, I put everything on red and I spun the, you know, <laughs> uh -huh. I put everything in what that, that other person did was say, I've got you now. Yeah. You are, you, I control what you do, what you're going to say, who you're going to say it to. And if I destroy your marriage, I will. And I, I had given that person the keys to everything in, in my situation, other situations don't occur like this, as I've talked to other men, but I had pretty much turned over all emotional control, everything to, to this addiction, which then it ended up being personified in a physical woman person that yeah. then I had a physical yeah. relationship with that was not my wife. Yeah. I, I yeah. created, I created this person. She knew my every move. Yeah. So you ended up, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, you ended up leaving Mary, correct? For this other woman. Is that right? I had such a bondage to this and some of it uh, willingly, some of it I'll go into that kind of uh, um, what's that movie that <laughs> the woman goes crazy and burns the thing, um, you know, the rabbit in the, the pot, <laughs> she, uh... like, you know, she's just very vindictive and stuff like that. But uh, Mary and I ended up and as Mary should have because of the counseling she was getting is to file for divorce mm -hmm. and to protect herself. My family came to Mary's protection. My family came uh, and her friends and, and the church came around Mary and created a moat around Mary to get away from this villain, Eddie. And uh, at one point I had gotten Alicia so numb as some addicts do you don't even realize that that's happening. Right. I, I just, I couldn't, there was nothing within me to, 
to stop this spiral of control, like everything is just coming off the hinges. Yeah. And so Mary filed for divorce. Um, I got the papers. I was served with the papers. And then we had to go to St. Tammany Court and get the divorce decree um, signed by the judge. And so my high school sweetheart and I had that had been married almost six, 15 plus years. I forget exactly. Uh, we're in a courtroom and she's to my left and I'm sitting there and we're about to nullify this, this marriage. Yeah. At that day is when the scales came off my eyes. Wow. Why then? Why, why of all the things she had told me, why had everything that people may have tried to tell me, Eddie, you're about to do it at the courtroom. It's too, it was too late. Yeah. The judge, the judge hit the gavel, the, the marriage of, you know, between Eduardo Barrios and Mary Boudreaux Barrios had been dissolved and the scales as if it were like Paul, if it were be like anybody else that is just encountering Jesus. And when Jesus healed people had come off and I saw my mass destruction, it would felt like a Katrina, you know, just the, wow. a cat five gone off. And I yeah. looked at the mess that I had done. Yeah. And what did that, uh, man, what did that, I don't know if the right word is feel like um, in that moment, like when the scales came off your eyes, like what, what did, what were you hearing from God? What were you feeling, thinking? I think I heard from the enemy most in laughter. And I told you, so how did you think this was going to end, Eddie? I felt, um, I felt weak. I felt, uh you know, I felt the isolation like I had never been before. Um, and I saw my wife as the pearls that I had thrown her away at something that I had valued. I saw everything. I saw hot as being hot and up being up again. Everything was righted in, in almost an instant within five minutes. And I, ironically, if, if Mary were here to share the story, she said as we walked out of that courtroom in downtown Covington, she could see it in my eyes like she had not seen it before in the last year and a half as the fair had actually gone on and all the suffering that I yeah. had inflicted on my family and everything. She saw it in my eyes and, 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 and the Holy Spirit spoke to her like, oh my gosh, I wonder if this is real. And, and, it, and it was. Now, it, there's a whole journey after, and that's a little well, bit more. Well, sure. We're gonna yeah, about. we're going to definitely but, talk but, about that. Yeah. I, and, uh, you know, I'm, as I always read the story of David, you know, with then he's wanting to call, you know, Bathsheba's husband in and Uriah, don't go to battle. You know, it's just you, you kept getting where I saw all of that. Like Samuel came to David and professed what he had done. That it was that heaviness. And the funny thing is, I still wasn't at my most broken part. God still had so much work. Every sin that I had done, the money I had squandered to take away from our savings to feed this addiction was going to be exposed. Things that I had at work were going to be exposed. Everything that I wanted to be performance-based, all of that falseness was exposed. It just kept being exposed. Yeah and exposed and exposed. And it was like, oh, I couldn't take the burden. Yeah. But it was just part of my story. Yeah. I, I never had suicide thoughts though, by the grace of God, Alicia. I never, I never had that, but I just thought I would just be, um, I, I would just be turned over to addiction. I was yeah. going to say that this is my course. And 
Yeah. yeah. I wanted to ask, so the Eddie, if the Eddie that had the scales like taken off his eyes in that moment, if that Eddie could go back to like the pre-affair Eddie, what what do you think you would have wanted to tell him? Is that don't test things that might be false in your life. Test them. And, and sometimes the testing isn't through you alone. It's through other people and the counsel of some godly people. So when, when I wanted to see, had, had I tested, had I gone and to a marriage counseling, if Mary and I needed something, even if our marriage is good, you know, you bring your car, even though there's no, nothing going on in your car, you still take it for maintenance, right? Yeah. The, the mm -hmm. manufacturer tells you go to maintenance on a prescribed time because it keeps the car going. I hadn't done that. I hadn't put true significant things in my life. So I thought, well, I won't have an affair. I mean, you know, year seven, I'm not going to have an affair. I'm married. And I didn't, you're, eight, you know, eight, nine, 10. I'm not. But what I didn't realize is I was buying into something else. Mm. And so I would tell Eddie back then is to say, Eddie, when you think you're standing, you humble yourself and go check what you're standing on. Go check and see what you're standing on. Wow. Oh, my gosh. I'm standing on something that's sand. I'm standing on a false philosophy. I still have me in me. Yeah. I need to take me out. Yeah. Right. Right. That's awesome. I would tell him. Yeah. Um, so you, what's amazing to me is that you said that that wasn't even your rock bottom, that there was, there was more to it after that. So could you tell us a little bit about like what, what was rock bottom like, because it's, you know, I feel like the experiences is that like the rock bottom is when, when God's starts the restoration like when we are at the end right, of ourselves right. right isn't that at the heart of pretty much every story in the bible is that yeah, like when yeah. we realize that we are incapable of fixing ourselves saving ourselves all of those things when we hit that rock bottom place and we cry out to god from the deep um that's when the restoration the begins yeah and what what happened was a uh, uh, something that i didn't expect Typically, you chase an addiction. You know the, the the addictive property is out there, and you pursue it. You do to all. You know, if 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 drugs are your thing, you'll go out and you'll seek seek the people that can buy you drugs. You're physically going out there. What turns on you is when the addiction chases you. Uh. So when I tried to get away from this woman that I had an affair on, she came out back to me. So now I am resisting the very person that I said, Hey, you, you know, you complete me and this is all great and whatever. And I said, I want to shut you down. I'm going back. I need to get my life. That addiction chased me. And then now I'm trying to trying to recover, but the addiction is there every day. And it's not, it's a human being. I had violated another person. I violated this woman and I shouldn't have. And I used the word violation as saying she wasn't mine for me to have, mm. you know, I, mm -hmm. I went outside of covenant. I should not. And I crossed the line. Well, and I, she came at me with a vengeance. So now 
talk to any man that, okay, now, oh, what did you want? You wanted desire. You wanted people to give you. So they were giving me all of that. The addiction was chasing me. And here I'm trying to say no to it before I would chase it. So that was an ingredient that I didn't expect. And that was something that marks whether or not you really want to recover. Yeah. And uh, so that was a, that was both a temptation and then it was also something that was out there that was an ingredient that I didn't expect. Um, but the, the, the things that started to fall off was then again, financial and then people like yourself, your fam, my family, everybody started seeing everything that I had done. They saw all my secrets were exposed. And that's something that, man, I don't wish that on anyone when all your dark secrets and what you've done and the past, you know, in hiding, come to bear. Um, yeah, it's never pretty. Yeah, <laughs> it is. So how, you know, how did God come for you in that moment? Like, when did the, when did the shift happen in terms of transitioning from this rock bottom place? Like, how do you, I think the question that I, I would imagine a lot of listeners have, I have, is like, so you know, because usually that's where things end and it just stays there. But like somehow, but God, you know, started to build, put those pieces back together. What, what did that look like? I don't even have the right question. <laughs> right. No, well, you know, people always say, you know, dog's a man's best friend. How uh, forgiving. I mean, that does, that's nothing compared to how instant and I'm talking so faster than the speed of light of how instantly when you invite God back in your life can come mm. no matter where you are, what fallen. And that's for every man that's out there that could be listening to this. It doesn't mean. So the instant you say, dear Jesus, Holy spirit, they're there. And then, so how did it feel? It felt the, the first thing was the fact that um, I could cry out God. There wasn't a sense like, nope, sorry, it's too late, Ed, you're too bad. You know, of course, the enemy still wants to keep you in that. But I could sense that as I seek God, he can be found. As you're pushing toward God, he's not stiff arming you. He's not saying he's prodigal son. So there I was playing out that parable, you know, mm. and I'm trying to run to God. And what I didn't realize is like, you know, the whole imagery of the, that father and, and, and seeing his son coming from a distance and the father being as, as royal as he was, he, the, the father ran out to the son. So I felt that. I felt that as I journaled. I felt it as I was in my own is the fact that it's like, Eddie, there's a lot of crap you're going to have to deal with. But I'm going to be with you through this. If you lean on me, that was the whole thing. You kicked me out before Right. So with me, with me, Eddie, stay with me. We're going to go through some hard times. It's going to be turbulent, right? It's going to be a lot, but stay with me on this. And that's what I kept hearing is stay with me on this and stay focused. That was hard. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so, so that was the beauty that I want to tell people is that, that, that it, Jesus is just even a, not even a thought away from you, right? He's just there. It's just, I told him to go away. And in the instant I say, come back, Jesus. Now there's some dryness. And as I was rereading my journal for this podcast, um, it was tough. I, I, you know, I saw some things that I wrote um, because guess what men want to do? It's like now men want, I want my wife back. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was putting the cart before the horse, right? So people were telling me, okay, well, Eddie, you need counseling. But I could say, but Alicia, I want my wife back. I want everything back. And that, you know, now you have Mary's free will. You have a lot of things at play. And so I couldn't arrange the, the, the restoration in the order that I wanted. That bothered me. And that's the trust. That's the part that Jesus was telling me. I'm going to restore and or, or, or this restore can happen, but it's going to be my way, my timeline. And I don't know what else I have to strip you of, Eddie, but but you're going to do it my way. And I, and I tell you, it was totally not the way I wanted. I wanted Mary back pretty quick, like yeah. two days after my you know, I was like, come right. on, why can't she <laughs> why can't she forgive me? And then I'm now I'm using false Christian words back out or like, where's your Christian love? I mean, right. how horrible is that? You know? Mm. Yeah. So, so talk about like, you know, just that experience of reconciliation and the part that forgiveness and, you know, that idea. I mean, because I would imagine that people would have questions like, you know, how long is she going to hold this over my head? Or will she ever really forgive me? Or if she forgives me, will she ever forget? Like, that just rebuilding process, because I I think that so many people, whether they're dealing with, you know, well, I guess if they're dealing with any kind of just moral failure or short, like they, they want to fix it right away because it's, it's hard to sit in the, the process. But I feel like that's where God does his, his work is in that process. Um, right. So talk you know, about that. Yeah. Like what that yeah. was like. Well, well, as men, we're wired to fix, right? We're meant to to go in and, we're, you know, sometimes we get a little too transactional in our relationships with our wives that, you know, we don't listen very well. We just like, oh, what's the problem? Let me go fix the problem. And they're like, no, you listening is part of you fixing. And I'm like, well, that sometimes that didn't compute to me. What I what I found out, though, is as I'm going through this reconciliation is the fact that um that I had that propensity of being subjected to this fall again. You know, some people have the propensity, their addiction could be uh, gambling, it could be uh, liquor, it could be, you know, pornography and all these other addictions that men could just ensnare themselves with. I had the propensity to say, I, I, I need this affirmation. I, I'm in, I, if I go back into the corporate world, and of course, that's where I was, I was going to get this back again. So I had to realize what is my nemesis? What is the thing that the devil can put most in my life? And I was trying to avoid fixing that. I wanted to fix Mary and I. And so what ended up in my recovery saying is I needed to heal myself. Mary had to be a different part or stage two. And so it was always rearranging that. But I had to really do deep surgical look at where did I get this thing that everyone should be giving me an affirmation that everyone should, you know, just if I do this, then I should get this. You know, if you hold a door open, somebody has to say thank you, you know, just in a very basic type of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, some people don't say thank you. Right. Yeah. Uh, where did I get this? So I rewound my life back to probably you know, late high school and tried to rebuild it all the way back up and try to dispel and saying, okay, stinking thinking, I got to stop that. I have to remedy that. I need people in my life to be able to speak truth here. So I was trying to be more systematic. Um, uh, Ben Licata, the counselor that I work with on the South Shore, 
was instrumental in just pointing out how how much stuff I needed to be. You know, when people go into surgery, like, oh, we had to take a lot out and, you know, mm-hmm. it just it was all over. Um, I felt like that. I, I felt like there was so much in my life that I had bought into things individually. I'm talking about me as a person, as 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 Eddie Barrio standing here as a man. Um, and I had to be a better version of myself yeah. for God. And as I started to work on that, of course, you know, I had to get Mary back. You know, so there was that tug of war. And so that started to build out in me that um, I needed a new version of Eddie. And it mm. couldn't look like the first one. Yeah. I needed a 2.0. Using my IT background, I needed a 2.0. <laughs> and uh, I didn't like the way the 2.0 had to be because I had to let the... I, I, Alicia, I wanted I wanted to tell my story, but every but Mary's going to get away with her story. I mean, Mary contributed to some of this affair. No, no, man, no, guys, it's not time for that. Well, Mary, I mean, it takes two to tango, it takes two to this. You know, I was using all that kind of stuff because I couldn't get Mary back. So I wanted to put and then the counselor kept telling me this is a Christian counselor, of course, it's you, Ed. It's the sin that's within you. You don't even believe the sin that could come out in you. So as as I worked through that and took my eyes off of Mary for the very first time, um, things really started to happen. And then at the same time, you know, kind of maybe going out of sequence, the Holy Spirit started to work in Mary's life mm. um, about giving me another chance. Yeah. And I tell the men out there, um, that the Holy Spirit has to work on your wife. If you are going to try to reconvince your wife after an affair, if you personally, outside of Jesus Christ, outside of the Holy Spirit, outside of the Trinity, it's not going to work. It's yeah. got to be the Holy Spirit working on it. Because guess what, women, you know, that switch? <laughs> Mary turned <laughs> off that switch toward Daddy. Yeah. And rightfully so, right? Yeah. And I, I've, um, I did want to ask you just in terms of, you know, obviously I don't want you to speak for Barry, but um, having heard her kind of tell her side of the story as much as I'm sure you have and the what you brought up in terms of giving the Holy Spirit room to work on Mary, like you not trying to like, you know, that typical guy attitude of I've got to fix this and like wedge their way, wedge your way in and kind of get, make sure that this is all working the way that you want it. Um, Could you talk a little bit about that? Like just what that forgiveness process looked like for her or maybe how the Holy Spirit, like you said, the Holy Spirit had to work on her. What did that look like that you observed anyway? Um. I th- I think that's a, that's a miracle that I saw play out. You know, people look at miracles in different ways of, you know, healing or whatever. But I think if Mary would stop short, that that was her being able to see anything of value back in me after the, the really cat five destruction of the life that I gave her mm-hmm. um, is, is nothing. It, it is a miracle that mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit, and it was a lot of yielding in her life. Um, what I started to have, even in my recovery, I started to get the spirit of manipulation. Mm-hmm. I wanted to manipulate Mary. I wanted to manipulate situations because they weren't going on my timeline. And that's what I think a, a good Christian counselor and always advise men to go there and a good set of men around you, uh, men, and I say men around men, not men trying to go to another woman for something. I say men to men. 
Yeah. And Alicia, that's that's so imperative. If if a man is trying to recover through an affair and thinks that they're going to start over by talking to another woman to get an opinion, you're going around. You have right. to hear men and godly men in counseling. Uh, if, if the opportunity avails that you can be with your spouse again, or you know, and this this would be actually marry my ex-wife, then okay, that's that's you know, you go to a Christian counseling woman, but that's a mixed company. But um, so it was nothing short of a miracle of how the Holy Spirit started to working. What I could not believe, and the counselor called me out on that, that I had had latched on that spirit of manipulation. I was then now trying to manipulate using scripture, using Christian theology against Mary and where she was going and what things were going to, because, and then I was called out and you see it just like it should work. When you have a good system around you, the minute you start seeing an ingredient in your life that is not constructive manipulation, you think, well, how bad is manipulation? And it's, it is ugly form is destructive. Yeah. It's destructive. You're controlling Mm -hmm. another God image person i was trying to manipulate so that came boom it came down mary called me on it mary's girlfriends that she had around it they called me all on it my christian friends from college everyone was calling me not only you're you had your affair and now you want to manipulate us yeah we're not having it yeah i'm like oh man so (laughs) back to the drawing board so another step you know step down not forward you know um and so that was that was part of the journey of just just emptying myself of anything that possibly I could attribute like I got Mary back look at me I did it because guess what that is back to my thing I and did then we can praise you praise. <laughs> do you see the, the deception I was in it couldn't be about me getting Mary back yeah because then I would think I she owed me like I did it yeah it had to be the miracle it had to be something so supernatural that then Mary came back to me. I did not expect it. Yeah. I was, I was at the point. I remember, you know, after we had gotten divorced and Mary, you know, when a guy tries to jumpstart his former wife's life, it was like, man, I know all your moves, Mary. I should be able to, to talk to your heart. And it was like, her heart was like, no, you, yeah. you, you can't do, you cannot, you cannot be part of my life. Yeah. And it was through the Holy Spirit. Spirit and by faith, there was. I, I think she had to hold her nose to say she wanted to be on a date with me again. Yeah. So picture that. You know, I mean, she physically <laughs> didn't hold her nose, but you know, I think when she went with me the first time, and the audacity, and this is me going back, the audacity <laughs> that I said, "Wait, so you're with me, but you really don't want to be with me? You're going on faith? I mean, here I was on all this Christian stuff. Again, God took." me back down again so mary was obedient to the holy spirit by just the grace of god and again like you said she has her story and then i just started to yield myself correctly to the holy spirit and then 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 the building blocks the ingredients start to come up where mary and i can be in a room and just any type of re type of kindling could start yeah i could yeah yeah, I want to ask you. So, if you know, because I am sure there are listeners out there that are in this very spot where they're in the place where they've had the affair, they're fighting for their marriage, they're trying to 
work through. What would be like, speak to that person right now. What would be your encouragements or encouragement to men or women in that, um, in that place, I guess that you feel like is important to know, like at this particular stage of the anatomy of rebuilding. Right. So if you're in the midst of it, what I really think you need to tell yourself if you can't and is picture, like walk it all the way through. Like, where is it? Where do you think? And then square yourself with that deal that, you know, you are going to be separated from your kids, you know, be very bold blunt with yourself don't sugarcoat things you know don't always you know take the hollywood road like at all you know we're in reconcilable differences and and make it no there's going to be hurt there's going to be destruction and square with yourself so if you want to be man enough to be in this thing or not man enough whatever because it's kind of both ways but don't sugarcoat what you're doing so if you're in the midst of it call it what it is call it the fact that you have you have disobeyed You've broken a covenant relationship. See, so I try to use too many other flowery, soft words, Alicia, and yeah. you have to call it what it is. You have to say, Eddie, you are breaking a covenant vow that you made with Mary on October 3rd. Yeah, October oh, 3rd. Oh, we got that one right. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, it's October 3rd. You know, the, in front of so many people. Mary is a child of God. I have to look at Mary's father in the eye. I have to look at Mary. I'm doing all of this against that family mm. and don't sugarcoat it. Like, well, it's just me. It's just this, you know, I shouldn't be worried about what other people, my kids will be okay. Lie, lie. I mean, you know, just call it. You, okay. If you're going to be in this, you're going to say everything that it is. Say that not just once. Don't say it to yourself once and then go about your day. Every morning I would ask the guy subscribe to that position. I am, I have leaving my covenant wife i'm choosing to destroy my in-laws i'm i'm going to destroy and that's what you're doing don't call it something else and say that say that for seven days yeah and see how you feel <laughs> otherwise the enemy is going to tell you ah oh, it's not you know and that right. is then the lot right if right. some if i had done that to myself and saw that i i, I pray i hope maybe the some sobriety and in, 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 in you know of thought would have maybe tripped yeah. But I mean, too, like in the rebuilding process, like you've kind of, you know, you've had that rock bottom, um, you've, you know, the scales have fallen off, like you are actively working on yourself and your marriage, like in that rebuilding process, what do you think are some important things? Cause you touched on maybe some of the attitudes. It's like, you want to fix it right away. So for that guy that is like in that process of working on himself or working on his marriage, like what are some encouragements or things that you feel like are important during that stage of the process for lack of a better way to say it? So, so you're going to build better to, to do to do a 2.0, to become a better version of yourself under the lordship of Jesus Christ, you're going to not use the same materials. You're not going to use the same approach, and you're going to look at things differently. You're going to say that you're going to be in humility, and if I have to 
have a tracker on my phone for the rest of my life for my wife so she knows my whereabouts, that we're going to share accounts. I My life is totally, um, somebody's going to read me. You have to be part of that because that other person you've offended, you're, I offended Mary such a way that for the rest of my life, and here I am now 24 years remarried to Mary, and Mary has access to my phone, my email. I constantly ask her to check. We don't. I don't have a credit card. She could run a credit report. And it looks like I'm being very particular, Alicia, but I call these things out as for women not to be duped. Recheck. And men, I say, if you are offended by any of these checks that your wife wants, I ask you to go back to the Holy Spirit and say, why not? Why, yeah. why not? You yeah, I was going to ask you, like, because I would think some people would take that as, oh, well, she still doesn't trust me and she's never going to get over it. Like, what's your mindset or approach in terms of being OK with those things? Like, it, does that it make sense? Is taking, yeah, no, it is. It is is taking on the 100 percent, not 99.9, surrendering to everything because of your offense. Mm. Because of your offense, you're living now to say that because of this mark, in my, this horrendous mark in my life that I did so many years ago for the rest of my life here on planet Earth, I, I have surrendered that to Mary and, and Mary doesn't call for it. I mean, this is not like actively she's doing this. But what I'm saying, if ever, if there's a season, there's a moment we're on vacation, if there's an intimacy and that situation comes up between you and your wife in recovering, in restoration, men be sensitive. We look at that. This is part of it. Well, how can this be? It's been so many years afterwards. I've had to do it. With my children, my children now that are grown adults and they're going into their married life. I had to re-expose some of the, 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 the my sins of the past. I don't see myself as that man anymore, but I have to go tell my daughter that just is getting married again. How can she trust this man and what to do and my son and my other daughters? You know, it's just it, 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 it's hard. Yeah. But you, you just say, God, please grant me that this is part of what I did. Other men that haven't transgressed. OK, they don't have to do that. It's almost like a, if you're recovering, you know, God forbid, you know, like a cancer person, they have to go in for checkups more regularly. If you have a heart condition, you have much more regular type of visits that is me alicia yeah. and i don't put myself above that as if it just happened last month i still do it i tried to do it i still have stuff and so the recovery has been building with different things in my life and testing what those buildings are i a matter of fact i just asked a couple of my close friends and i said if you saw me if you heard me if you perceived anything of how it was being that'd be different than the norm. Would you call me out? And they said, I certainly would. Yeah. I want those kind of men. Yeah. I want those men that are not going to just say, well, man, well, Eddie's just, you know, he's getting old. Right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> kind of shaking it 70 off. 70%. If you look at statistic men that have had affairs, and I'm not really always, you know, statistics can do a lot of different things, but men that have had affairs are prone to have subsequent affairs. Mm. Yeah. Wow. And I so think you need, yeah, you need different ingredients to rebuild your marriage, the yeah. same marriage. <laughs> and I, I love your attitude or I guess your heart posture in terms of 
being like just having an understanding and an acceptance of, um, you know, opening these different parts up um, to Mary. And, and it's, and you use the word have to, but I don't know the way you say mm. it, it almost feels like a, um, a willful submission of like, yeah, I'm going to yield this to you and understand that this is a part of some of my choices. And it's just part of, you know, what I'm the road I have to walk now and, but not holding that grudge against Mary for, you know, having those checks and those, and those touches and stuff like that. I just, I think that's awesome because I feel like that would be a very hard place for, for anybody. No, no, you, you reworded that much more eloquently than I stated it, but it's like that. It's, it's not that, Mary hasn't forgiven me, but the memory's still there. The scar is still there. There's a, b- a bunch of beautiful words, uh, uh, beautiful lyrics to a song that Mary holds dear to her heart. Um, Mary didn't want these scars in her life. Mm-hmm. As a woman, as a young girl, and growing up, being in high school and wanting to be married, she didn't want the scar of her husband having an affair, but it's there. Yeah. But she uses the scars to remind her. When I see that scar and that's scar comes up and it manifests in itself that she's gotten quiet around a certain time. Um, I remember I had squandered a little bit of money that we had done. And Mary found out some time afterwards, the extent of what I had done, it hurt her again. And we were already recovered. We were already remarried, but she, it just grieved her again. And she, and, and maybe it took her two days to get over it. She had, it wasn't a forgiveness thing. It was just, she was grieved and sorrowful of how, <laughs> depraved my heart got yeah and it wasn't at that time for me to say oh come on get over it mary we are we are seven years in our recovery how i mean we're remarried i mean how is this no yeah no, i couldn't I, i'm built of a new material and it's saying mary what can i do and and i and i say this humbly it's not like i was there always perfectly what can i do to make sure that you have can I, what, how can i support you who do you need me to bring a around you what what other thing could i build in my life so that you don't have this 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 yucky feeling yeah sometimes i'm not the one to fix it yeah <laughs> that's right a, that's another good thing i can't fix it yeah it's the, it's the holy spirit comes right back in and helps me because then yo i gotta fix it i gotta fix her i got no no that was 1.0 ad the 2.0 yeah. says holy spirit I, I surrender her to you yeah so as so, we kind of i guess i don't want to say well i guess wrap up um in terms of like, so this happened, if I, what, how many years ago did you say? It's like 24 years removed? 20, yeah, I'm, I'm, I was going my age of my daughter. Yeah, about 20, uh, gosh, that's what it, yeah, 22. Something like 24. that. So yeah. in terms of putting, and I think you've kind of touched on this a little bit, but just protections and maintenance around it. Because like you even mentioned that staggering statistic about just you know, the propensity for that to occur again. Um, What does that look like in your marriage now in terms of protections, maintenance, guarding Um, yourself against these things happening again? Well, well, first is, is the, um, is looking for authenticity in my, my relationship with Jesus, right? That I'm not going through the motions that 
um, I am asking for really a bring out the bad things, Lord, expose what I need to do, my motivations, uh, any of the manipulate, all those back sins that I make that crop up. So the first and foremost thing I think is that if what, what, what brings my wife a lot of comfort, if she knows that I am submitted and actively submitted under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, that is the best place <laughs> that I can be. And, and she now uses that as a barometer to know. So if she doesn't see some signs uh, and, and fruit and, and um, of those things, then she's she gets concerned yeah. uh, about her marriage because she looks at like, I don't want you to play a game again, Ed. I don't want you to be in, in, in a deceptive. And men out there, we can do this. We can get life takes us raising kids, trying to, to be the breadwinner if you, you know whatever just trying to earn money let's just say that um trying to earn money trying to whatever you're trying to do could take a lot out of your life but if you if your authenticity in your in your walk with christ just is it's like you know just whatever I'm, i you know i'm a member of this club but i don't even go to the workout or whatever mm -hmm. it's just a thing <laughs> that that is that is a start indicator you know so um i'm more intentional in that alicia so i'm more intentional me giving back to men always lets me know where i've come from it lets me know my roots it you know it has a lot of why you see alcoholic anonymous they they talk about their days and stuff like that they remember i have that propensity other men that haven't done it they might do it right but what i have to say is i have done it yeah i have crossed that line i don't want to cross that line so i'm a little i'm different i'm yeah. different so i have to guard myself even more so I do those checks to be more authentic. And then after I do that vertically with my Lord Jesus, then I start looking at Mary and I try to be a good steward of Mary's heart. Mary didn't need the things that I thought she needed. Mary needed security in other ways. I had broke that trust. I would broke that security in a young girl that I met when we were 15 and she needed security. Um, and it wasn't necessarily financial security. It was just security in being a, a man of my world word, my integrity, um, that, I, that my decisions were sound. And so I started to try to show her more of that. And that gave her peace and comfort. Yeah. Yeah. And I continue uh, to try to do. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So how, as we really do wrap up here, um, I guess I have two final questions for you. One, what do you feel like were the warning signs or if you could yeah, I guess like what were the warning signs uh, that you having been through it now, now could encourage other men with of like, hey, watch out for this or you may want to think about this. What would those be? Um, I would look to see if you really have um, authentic, intentional men that can call you out on things. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the, the, the ways are like what we do here, you know, no heart left behind with the arise group, but we try to make it a small intimate and, uh, type of group to where we can meet and just have real questions answered, yeah. really pray. Yeah. And then you could let the guard down and say, Hey, I am struggling with this. I, I thought I had a place that I could do that. Um, and what I was doing is just participating. I was too embarrassed. I'm supposed to 
look pretty and clean when you go to church and, you know, nobody can really be sick, if you will. Yeah. And so I would I would say for men is to say you got to be vulnerable to another man and let them speak into you and keep searching for that. And sometimes you think, well, is it going to be this? This person and, you know, Joe or John doesn't end up being it. Well, keep looking, keep asking and keep finding out. And and then even let your spouse know that you are looking for that person because then they could be in prayer for you. So don't just take the humdrum and the routine because that complacency is what the enemy loves sometimes. Yeah. They're like, man, they're fertile ground. So what I ask is that, you know, do a little bit of muscle uh, kind of confusion where you, you're 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 an athletic person do that uh-huh. muscle confusion and then and, and get involved into a group that you wouldn't normally be like an arise group right. do something that you typically spiritually of course and 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 see where it takes you what does that mean oh man i'm meeting a guy i would have never you know if you're a very whatever type of person meet somebody that's meet another guy that's different and you could learn something yeah start reading start doing uh, other stuff so um no yeah. and then know this um, uh, one, one last thing is you, we have an adversary. We have an adversary for us not to think this is, this wasn't always about just me and this other woman and Mary. There's an adversary that was, was just lapping their lips and saying, ah, I got him out of the game and look what I did. God, I destroyed another one of yours we, we don't want to give yeah. any of that to the devil. Let's, let's, let's win these men back. Let's win these marriages back and put them back, you know, to, to get glorify God. Yeah. And that's what I, that's why I love that you work with us because I just love that. <laughs> I love your heart um, for these men to create a safe space. And it might not even be like their, their thing might not even be an affair. Like, is you create a safe, authentic space with our rise group where men can come and take the mask off and find encouragement and correction and um, direction, you know, all of those things that are so, so important because I do, I think like whether it's men or women, sometimes we will walk into studies and we, we put the mask on, we, we go through the motions. We don't address the real things going on in our heart. Um, so that's why I love that you do our rise groups. Um, and I guess, uh, the last thing, you know, I know that God is going to use this conversation in a, in a powerful way. And I would imagine that there are people listening right now that are, somewhere along this, I guess, path or anatomy of this affair process journey, whatever you want to call it, what would your just encouragements um, to them be? Um, The encouragement would be is to fight to get out, fight to make a difference, fight for it, and it's worth it. It's so worth it. You know, the number seven shows completeness that, you know, in, in the Bible that, that numbers used over and over. And there's no better place that I know that I am complete by being married to the woman, my one covenant partner. And um, and, and that completeness that I have that have been blessed and honored with in my recovery and my you know reconciliation with Mary has helped me. 
Um, and, and I've been honored and blessed that, that God has allowed that for, for, for her and I. And so I would say fight and fight in the way that would honor God, not yeah. fight in a way yeah. that's manipulative and coercive. And, you know, going back to some of the elements that I had in my yeah. recovery, I, I'm saying fight to study, fight to be humble, fight to learn, fight to say, I want a new version of myself under God Almighty. I want a new version. I'm tired of this. I've, I've heard of men even being in their 30s to say, I'm tired of being an old fart, sarcastic, mm-hmm. you know, passive aggressive guy. And they started in their 70s. Yeah. And now they are at 75 and they're the happiest men. And says, why didn't I do this later? But they did it. They did it. Yeah. You know, and their wives are like, oh my gosh, I got this. This new guy, even if it's only been for five years of their all their married life, but they looked in and they made themselves a better version under Jesus Christ. And that yeah. and that's what I think are all of our hopes are is that we continue to live that life. Yeah, because you know, what I would hate is for someone to hear this that's in the midst of this and being like, Well, yeah, that that's good for that's good for Eddie and Mary, and I'm glad that that worked out for them. But my marriage is hopeless. And I've you know, I think, you know, I guess speak to those people feeling hopeless right now. Yeah. So uh, hopeless is a true state in the sense that it is an, a human emotion, but it's not a God emotion. Mm. Right. So mm-hmm. what you have to do is uh, a retraining, you know, and you're trying to take the hopelessness into a part of faith. And faith is a substance of things that you don't see. So the the hopelessness starts to just decrease just by ever so much, substituted by a faith I'm going to have. I don't see it yet, but I'm going to just walk it out. I'm going to trust and believe that I can be loved again, that people won't always see me as and a, a person that had an affair, I can walk into this restaurant and if people see me, they are like, well, that's a guy that did that thing to Mary. How is Mary with her? You know, that's what I felt. I, it, you know, I felt hopeless in that, substituted by faith and then believing in that and every day would get better. And and, and so hopeless starts to go away, praise God. Um, so in that's part of that fight. So I'm kind of putting those things together. Yeah. Take the hopelessness and substitute it with the word of faith. Just, just beat hopelessness with the word faith. Yeah. <laughs> when I'm hopeless. I'm have faith. Right. So just beat it up. Fight it with faith. Mm. Awesome. You know, the, the whole the, the Old Testament and the New Testament is is made up of characters that couldn't have done it without <laughs> the faith that uh, that is required. Um, and yeah. uh, so. That's great. Well, Eddie, thank you so much for being here and sharing your heart and sharing your story with us. I'm just. Um, it's a privilege to know you and Mary. Well, 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 thank you. And, and, and Mary and I, you know, uh, if we can help any couples, uh, Mary and I, for us to have a, our complete side of a story, we'd love to help in any way with no, no heart left behind or rise or whatever. So thank you for the opportunity. Thank you, Alicia. God bless you and your ministry. Thank you for listening in on today's episode. It's probably true that most of us want to navigate hard seasons of family life well. And it's also probably true that when it comes to really tough things like the topic discussed today, we simply don't know how. 
That's why I want to make sure you know that No Heart Left Behind offers biblically-based counseling, both virtually and in person, for anyone in need of professional support through tough seasons and issues. No Heart Left Behind's counseling looks to bring faith and counseling together. While our counselors have different certifications and utilize various methods for counseling, our team of counselors believe in the Holy Spirit's power to break the bondage of sin, heal the wounds of the heart, and provide the guidance needed in resolving personal issues. Even better, NHLB believes that healing shouldn't be hindered by finances, so we simply require a love offering or donation for our counseling services determined by each client. Counseling can be such a life-giving experience, and personally, it is one of the best decisions I have ever made for myself and my family. If you want to know more about NHLB Counseling, please check out the link in our show notes or visit our website at noheartleftbehind.com.